Hey guys, this is Emily Heald. Thank you so much for joining in on episode two of As You Wait, and thank you so much for your support on episode one. It has been such a blessing to be able to hear back from some of you guys,、um, whether that's through text messages for those of you who know me personally. That's just very encouraging to know that that episode did have an impact on you, and that you're able to see description being used accurately. That was a huge view of mine starting this podcast. Just to be honest, just as much as it was the first time I showed my testimony of do I know enough and having to trust in the Lord that He has emboldened me with the Spirit that He is teaching me that He is continuing His good work and through that is allowing darkness to be pushed out and light to fill it up. So as I handle Scripture. It would be truthful,、um, and that's just such an amazing thing to just heal back from you guys and be encouraged on. So, as I said, we are now on to episode two of As You Wait. Today's topic is going to be accountability. I know that for a lot of us, it can be scary to hold someone accountable, but also to be held accountable ourselves. No one really likes to tell someone they're doing something wrong, and no one really likes to heal that they're doing something wrong. I kind of wanted to just handle that and talk about why it is we should first be holding ourselves accountable, and also is it godly for us to hold others accountable? I know something we've heard before is, "Well, that's judgment. How can you pass judgment on to me?" So that's something I want to confront today, and again, just pray that I'm doing that accurately. And as I am by myself today recording this, I just am being reminded of how great of a need there is for prayer whenever we do handle the word of God, especially when that's not being done with another another believer who can hold us just to the expectations God has. So before we really dive in today, I'm going to just spend a moment in prayer over this podcast episode, over those of you who are listening, and also over just my ability to handle scripture. God, I just thank you so much for the platform that you're giving me through this podcast, just to reach people. Already, I'm seeing it reach people who I did not even know. I do not know personally, God, and that's a blessing to know that. As these episodes are being distributed, that they are reaching people who I would never have the opportunity to meet physically, or at least not in my small brain would be able to fathom meeting physically. God,、um, so thank you for just already showing evidence that this is fruitful. My fears and anxieties relating relating to this podcast, God, that you're being faithful to use it, you're being faithful to guide my steps and to. Bring guests and to just bring other believers who are excited to encourage, to uplift, and to also just pour into this as well, God. So just thank you for that. I pray and ask, Father, that as I'm handling this today, that you would just give me guidance, that you would give me clarity, and God, also that you would just give me peace and trust in your scriptures, God. That even when I do fall short and when I do fail at being clear in what they mean, that. You will glorify yourself, God, and while you've given me the utmost privilege of being able to go and glorify and witness to others about you, that 
you are the almighty God, that you are the one who dissolves glory, and that you are the one who receives the glory, God, and you have and you will and you'll continue to do so throughout all eternity. Um, so thank you for the fact that I can rest in that today. I just ask that as this podcast episode just kind of goes forward and as I'm spending this time discussing scripture, that it would just be done accurately and with discernment and just done with a halt that is set on you, desiring you and desiring you to be known. Thank you for this day and thank you for your world, God. Um, I just ask all this in your name through Christ. Amen. As I kind of go in, the first thing I want to do is define accountability. And specifically, what does that mean for believers? Is it more than just holding one another to a discipline? Is it more than just going, hey, I know this is a goal that you set out? Because accountability can exist for non-Christians too. And while it's a phrase we use a lot in the church and something we hear in ministry circles and with all fellow believers, it is not a church-specific term. It's not a Bible-specific term. We hear it in the world. We hear it within workplaces to hold one another accountable to goals. So whenever we hear the phrase accountability within the Christian community, what I think it's really getting down to is the idea of exhortation. And what it means to exalt someone means to encourage them to submit to a plan that is contradictory to their own. So when we look at that, we have to understand that as Christians, we are submitting our lives down to a God who is holy, who is righteous, and who cannot exist where there is sin. And if we believe the gospel, then we have also professed that we are sinners, that we are undeserving of God, and that because we are sinners, without God's work, without the salvation brought forth by Christ, there is no way that we can rest in the presence of the Lord. But through that understanding, we also know that since we are sinners, all flesh desires sin. Our natural gravitational pull is to sinful things that are unholy, that are unrighteous, and that cannot exist before a holy God. So if we are to exalt one another, to hold one another accountable, that means that we are encouraging one another to hold God's will, which is contradictory to our own flesh. And that is so important for us to understand, to hold one another accountable and to exalt one another. When it is done to propel one another to the faith and to propel one another to God, it is done in such a way that pulls us away from our own desires and sets us onto God. To put this into just a simple phrase, it's encouraging one to obey God. So why do we do this? And also... This goes further than just why we hold others accountable. It goes to why do we hold ourselves accountable? And that's something I want to get into. Whenever we hear the word accountability, we assume that's holding someone else. But what I want to challenge you to do, and as we kind of dive into scripture later on, we're going to see that if we hold others accountable, we must hold ourselves accountable. There was no way that we can look at another 
human, another believer, brother and sister, and say, you need to change this in your life if we're not willing to submit to the same thing in our own. So to kind of just dive in, we're going to start off on Romans 3.31. And I do, again, as I said in the first episode, I want to encourage you guys, if you have your Bible nearby, if you can, please pull it out and read this alongside me to make sure that what I'm saying is accurate and truthful and that it is not using it incorrectly. The goal of this is to pull you guys closer to God and to do that is also to pull you guys closer into the world. Um, so again, starting off in Romans 3.31, which reads, and this is Paul speaking here in Romans, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So I want to go back a little bit to verse 28 and then read forward. For we hold that one is justified by faith, uphold from works of the law. Mainly what I want to look at here is verses 28 and 31. 28 reads, For we hold that one is justified by faith, uphold from works of the law. And then we see Paul responding to that in verse 31. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So while God has saved us by our faith, as an overflowing of all appreciation and gratitude of God that motivates us to continue upholding the laws that we may present ourselves as a pleasing aroma before him. We see in Leviticus that while we bring sacrifices to God, or while they brought sacrifices to God in this context, what they were doing is you had pleasing aromas to God, but you could also have sacrifices unacceptable to God. And as we evaluate ourselves today in the context of the new covenant where we are saved by faith alone there was still a command and a need for us to glorify god through his law um and we can see that in verse 31 right here in romans he's telling us not to overthrow the law but instead to uphold it with that i also want to look at romans 6 15 through 19 is still Paul speaking. The title of this section is Slaves to Righteousness. And it says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. I think Paul just loves that phrase, but it's good. <laughs> Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, your slaves are the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who are once slaves of sin have become obedient from the hope to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. I have so much joy in this passage right now as, we, as I'm reading it. Because we do see Paul in this also just praising the Lord. We see in verse 17, Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the whole to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And we see in this passage as well, in verse 16 right there, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? 
So we see that word obey. And we see that as we present ourselves to others, what we obey is what they perceive or master to be. It's, and then we as Christians have just the need to ensure that what we are obeying is God, that we are presenting him well, that we are presenting our faith as true. And our salvation is secure by faith, but it is made known by joyful obedience to God and his will for all lives. It is made known by joyful obedience to being holy and righteous and pursuing sanctification, which is becoming more Christ-like. If we are true believers and we take hope and we take joy and just so much in knowing that we are becoming more like Christ, that we are glorifying God through that, we are making him known, and to make God known is to show his glory. It's to show his work being done through believers. So we see that the need for accountability first begins with us to faithfully show who it is we belong to. But is it necessarily godly of us to then hold others accountable as well? If we go into Romans 14, I know I'm camping out in Romans a bit. It's just, it's a good book, guys. We're seeing Paul speaking again. And if you look at the title, at least in English Standard Version of the Bible, it says, do not pass judgment on one another. And I'm not sure about you guys, but I have heard that phrase in particular used by Christians. They say using that. How can you judge me? How can you say I should change the way I live? That's not your place. If we look into the context of this passage, we're seeing that Paul is speaking about food. He's speaking about what is clean versus unclean and how it is we should handle believers who are still partaking of the idea that some food is unclean rather than resting in the new covenant that all things have been made clean by Christ. So this passage is not condemning us to not hold one another accountable. All we're seeing Paul say is do not cause unnecessary call or arguments among believers because some believe that some things are still unclean while others believe that they have now been made clean. He's saying don't fall into that trap of arguing over Simple things that really do not determine whether someone's pursuing the Lord. If they are acting on the idea of unclean food with the pursuit of glorifying the Lord because they do not have a clear conscience of if it would bring glory to the Lord, then we do not need to tell them, you can't think like that. That is okay. However, what is not okay is for us to turn a blind eye if we see a believer who is dismissing clear demands from the Lord that are written out in scripture. Paul may not be saying in Romans 14 that unclean food must be seen as all believers as clean. So because of that, we know and we can see, okay, that's not a clear demand of God that's been explicitly said in scripture. So we have no foolproof, bulletproof way of saying that's something we shouldn't be doing. However, we do have examples throughout scripture, including the New Testament, and that we ought to be fleeing from sexual immorality, that we ought to be avoiding sin, that we ought to be 
pursuing righteousness, pursuing holiness, that we should be holding one another accountable. Um, and as we go into that, we can see in Matthew, is where I want to go next, Matthew 7, and that's going to be verses 1 through 5. This is Christ speaking, Jesus himself. He says, judge not that you be not judged. Again, that's a phrase that if we do not look at it within the context of scripture and instead pull it out and let it do whatever we want it to, <laughs> which scripture doesn't do, we just trust it and allow ourselves to believe it does. We can easily believe that this is telling us, oh no, I can't judge. Or else I'm going to be judged. God's already judged us because he knows our hearts more than any of us do. God does know our hearts. God knows if we ought to believe in him or if we do not. We have already been judged because God is all-knowing and he is the all-powerful judge. So if we break this down within the context, so I'm going to go ahead and read forward now. So verses or verse 1 through 5. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. As we read this passage, we see verse 3 and verse 4, which is telling us or asking us, why is it that we can see the speck in someone else's when there's a log sitting in ours? But then we also see in verse 5, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly take the speck out of your brother's eye. If we had been left with only verses 1 and 2, then it could be argued a lot more effectively that maybe we aren't meant to hold one another accountable. But in verses 3 and 4, we will see that Christ is asking, how can we do these things with a log in our own eye? But if we go back to what we just discussed, we are meant to hold ourselves accountable, which means we're moving the log in our eye so verse 5, so that we may then see the speck in our brothers. So as we hold ourselves accountable to scripture, we can then hold others accountable as well. And what I want to also kind of break down a little bit right now is that we do not do that with a motivation of pride of going, look, the log is out of my own eye. I'm so much better than you. If you want to be up to my standard, then you must get the speck out of yours. What we must remind ourselves of is that the only standard we have, the only standard for the believer that exists, is God's standard, which calls for us to be Christ-like, which calls for us to be perfect. If we're going into Matthew again, Matthew 5, 48, we are seeing once again, Christ say, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is the standard we are held to. It is not the standard of Emily. It is not the standard of your best friend who's been a Christian for 10 years. It is not the standard of your pastor who has pastored 10 different churches and 
is absolutely wonderful. Yes, those people can be in cordials to us. Those people can be role models of pursuing Christ. But while we look at them, we also must know that the only reason we can is because they're pursuing Christ. So if we want anyone to trust what we're saying, if we want anyone to have any respect for what we're saying, instead of doing what Christ does, which is completely just, of calling us a hypocrite, then we need to remove that log from our own eye and to hold ourselves accountable to the standard of God. Finally, I'm going to go into First Thessalonians, and that's going to be First Thessalonians 2, starting in verse 9 to verse 12. So that passage reads, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So there's a few things I want to want us to look at here. The first thing is those first few verses right there, verses 9 and 10. You remember, brothers, or labor and toil that we walked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So we're seeing that, okay, so as we're looking at 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 and 10, keeping in mind that this is still Paul, I genuinely do love Paul's writings, and I know they're scriptural, so I should love them, but also I love the way he writes and explains things. Um, but what we're seeing Paul do is that we're seeing him tell the Thessalonians that he has not been hypocritical, that he was holy and righteous and blameless in conduct toward you believers, we see in verse 10. And then also in verse 9, he walked night and day, not being a burden to them while they proclaimed the gospel of God. So he has not asked anything more of these people. Instead, what he has done is act as Christ would. He has been Christ-like throughout the process of witnessing to them. But then we also see in verse 11 that because he has been holy, righteous, blameless, he can also say, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So he's exhorting them, encouraging them, and charging them. So someone who has held himself accountable to the standard of God is now going forward and holding others accountable to the standard of God. Accountability is something that we should be pursuing, not only for others, but for ourselves. We should be pursuing to hold other people accountable so that they may grow to God. And also, we should seek accountability in people who are willing to be honest with us, even when it hurts, so that we can pursue God and get closer to Him. And something I just want to encourage us with is that 
Genuine affection and genuine love is pointing out all sin, digging it out, and instead placing it with godliness. And we see God do that himself because he is just. He cannot be with sin. To go back to what we've already said, and God points out all sin, and then he changes us so that we may be godly and holy. And Christ, as he came and witnessed about God, he was honest with people and will sin so that they may come to know God. And as believers, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So if we go to glorify God, I know I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again because it's important that we repeat it to ourselves. To glorify God is to make him known to radiate his glory, to radiate his holiness, and to pursue Christ-likeness in everything we do, doing all things to the glory of God and for him to be known. If we were to do that, how can we allow sin in our lives? And if we genuinely love our brother and sister in Christ, then we know that their genuine motivation is to make God known. So if we love them, if we love God, if we trust that they love God, then shouldn't our natural response to that be to motivate them to pursue godliness in all that they do for the glory of God and to make him known? So what I want to challenge us with is that we would be bold in trusting the scriptural, that when God commands us to obey, it is in fact a demand um, for ourselves and also for others, and others are not excluded just as much as we are not excluded. And I want to hit that home too, so that there's no room for pride or boastfulness in ourselves. You're not excluded from the demands of scripture. We have to hold ourselves accountable and discipline ourselves to the faith. If we do not, we are hypocritical every single time we try to hold anyone else accountable. So just seek out discipline in your life and seek out the ability to just be honest with one another, with your brother and sister, yes, it might mean that your friendship suffers if they're angry. And I get that that's scary, but what I just hope that you guys get is that what's even scarier is not allowing someone to see the wrong or not coming alongside them to point it out and that holding them back from being able to fully enjoy all God has for us on this earth and understanding that Of course, heaven is going to be so much infinitely greater than anything we can ever have of this world. But as we all heal, we should be motivating one another to partake in every single joy that God is allowing us because it is from God. And if it is from God, it is good. Um, So I'm just going to pray for us as we go out now from this episode. And just as you go out into this next week, I'm just going to go ahead and pray and hope that this podcast has done your faith well. God, I thank you again for this time. I thank you for the listeners who have joined in. And God, I just pray that what I've said today is truthful. And I also thank you for just the joy that you kind of stored up in me as I was discussing this, God. Um, Knowing that that's from you, God, that (laughs) your scriptures have brought me to a place where I, or you have brought me to a place where I can just delight in your world, God. And I pray for the believers joining in to this that 
they are also just finding delight in who it is you are and who you have shown us to be in your world, Father. Um, I pray we would be faithful to remove the log in our own eye, Father, so that we may clearly see the speck in our brother's God and that we would lovingly, tenderly just take that out, knowing that it's for their good and for their growth, Father, and that their growth towards you, the relationship with you is so much more important than the relationship we could ever have with them, that we would trust in that, that we would just hold fast to the truth that you that you are worth every single thing we could ever give and so much more god you are infinitely better than us and nothing we do will ever amount to what you deserve father but may we just take absolute joy in the fact that you have allowed us to give to you um with hearts of genuine affection god and may we just store our brothers to good works motivated by love motivated by faith and may we just be faithful to doing so i love you i praise you for just the god that you are the fact you're omniscient the fact that you're all powerful and the fact that you do change us god i just pray all this in your name through christ amen